before you get into the show today, I just wanted to let you know that we had a few network issues doing the show. Austin cut out a few times, I cut out a few times, and then we had to switch the way we were recording. So please bear with us. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of the Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 87th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers, and I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is my good friend, my good partner, Floyd Johnson Jr. How you doing, my man? I am doing great. I am. This is the second show from the Man Cave, and I'm really excited. I've been starting uh, compiling all of my memorabilia and trying to decide how I'm going to display it. I can't wait to like put a picture of it because it's like I have all this stuff from AEW. And you, you think AEW's only been around, it will be two years in about a month. And But I have compiled so much stuff. <laughs> so it's like so much stuff that I'm just trying to decide how I want to hang it, how I want to. And it's also, I rent a house, so you don't want to put a bunch of holes in the wall. So it's a lot of things to come mm -hmm. into it. But other than that, been a great week. Uh, man, as far as wrestling, uh, good pal Tiffany sent me a Christmas wish from Arn Anderson, which was like awesome and made my day. Yeah. And then the next day, I get my FTR jacket, and then Jackie posts a picture of me, JR, and her, and our FTR jackets, and it gets liked and commented on by both Dax and Cash. So, hey, I'm, I'm floating pretty well when it comes to wrestling right now. For sure. Yeah, but no, um, yeah, so my jacket came. Of course, it's a 2X. I told everyone I wasn't going to be able to fit it, and I didn't, but you know what? You can, like... You know, you could take. Some, I took some pretty good pictures with it all, where it made it look like it fit, but it did not. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so tight!" <laughs> <laughs> but I got some pictures in it, and then, of course, like I said, I'm gonna sign it, get it all displayed, and make my tribute wall to FTR one day. But yeah, that's but that's how my week's going. And Florida State just won in impressive fashion. For all of you don't yeah. don't know or don't care, I am a college football fan, and I am a fan of Florida State, and we are very, very bad at football right now. So any win is a great win. 
see, I'm an NBA guy, and NBA is starting up preseason. They just started yesterday, and uh, it's going to be hard for me watching my Pistons. It's it's nice because we're rebuilding, which is good. We're addressing that we suck, but we still suck. So, I mean, how much joy can you put into a team that's rebuilding? Who is your coach? Uh, Dwayne Casey. Okay. I, I remember, was it Stan Van Gundy last year? It was Van Gundy, yeah, a okay. while ago, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Last why, year we had Dwayne Casey. I was gonna say I don't know why people keep hiring Rand Gundy because he obviously doesn't like the NBA and it's what it currently is. <laughs> so it's like he they like defense and you know this NBA isn't about defense. No, not at all. Mm. He seems much more com- uh, comfortable as a commentator, which he does really well at. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, let's go, sir. I'm ready to go. I'm yeah, ready let's to talk go. some let's rattling. Get, let's get right into it. Obviously, this is episode 87 of All Things Elite. We got a lot to talk about. Obviously, there's been a lot going on with AEW, and the big thing about last week's episode was just what the hell was going to happen this week. I mean, winter came, and now it's just the aftermath that we're really trying to focus in on for this week's episode. But before we get to the nitty-gritty of the episode, make sure you are down Loading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify, and I know you can't do that, but you can share us, which would be super appreciative. Uh, do that if you're on Google or Apple Podcasts either. Both would be appreciative. And you can also leave a rating and a review. If you're also so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. We'd be mega grateful for that. And if you want to support us in the smallest way, we're on social media. You can follow us at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this possible. That's them on Twitter. I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. And Floyd Johnson Jr. is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, is there any reason that you wouldn't know what the big news of the week it, uh, this week is? It's the fact that Kenny Omega and Don Callis made it to impact on Axis TV and Twitch is how I watched it on Tuesday this week. And Kenny Omega brought the AEW world title with him on a bus and got interviewed by Josh Matthews. And yeah, it's, there was a lot, obviously the build up to what this was going to bring and how huge this was, was massive because this very much was like, Oh no, this isn't a one-time thing. This is a, this is seeming like it's going to be a legit partnership, which was confirmed later on as, They've confirmed that Kenny Omega and Don Callis will be back on Impact. The next Impact on Access TV uh, this next upcoming week. And when Kenny showed up with Don Callis, I mean, they just rattled off all the history that him and Don Callis had been doing. And Kenny Omega was just feeling himself. Point where he said, I'm starting to feel like my old self again. And he just casually throws out, like, I could take one of your guys' titles. You guys got titles here, which, I mean, if Kenny Omega, like, he's already AAA champion, he's already AEW world champion, if he tries to go for the Impact Championship, it's literally going to be the meme that everyone plasters on Triple H, but it's going to be Kenny Omega with all the titles. It's like he's trying to be Thanos in in front of our very very eyes. He cut a promo with Don Callis, so that's really all he did, but it was still unbelievably exciting just to watch and just see Kenny in this role that, honestly, I think a lot of fans have been waiting for him to get back to this very egotistical, very smarky, very full of himself, but still feeling himself as the best wrestler in the world. I know a lot of fans have probably been waiting for this, and honestly, it's my favorite version of Kenny. He's just so good in this role. So, Floyd, 
before we get into Dynamite, your thoughts on Kenny Omega on Impact? So, f- first, I want to give a shout out to Impact and tell them I commend them on how they handled it. Every about 10 to 15 minutes, they did something with Kenny Omega. You know, like, you know, you had people that just tuned in to, like me, myself, just tuned in to Impact for Kenny Omega. So they teased it all show. They never went very long without getting to the Kenny Omega stuff. Only criticism I had is I think with the new eyes on the show, I would have done what I could to make my wrestling the best it could. I might have hot shot in a match or something like that because you were going to have more eyes on it. Uh, the Twitch channel reached over 50,000 just to say the week before it was at 3,000, you know, and then it actually charted. It actually charted in the Nielsen ratings, which it it hadn't been for. It was like 60 or 70. Like ultimately, Impact puts out a tweet that over uh, 750,000 people watched uh, Impact. They leased the Kenny Omega part on Impact. So he's a big draw. And I just like what they did. I just thought the show was just a show, though. If you're going to get to me, if you're going to get all these eyes on Impact, you know what? I am putting my best wrestlers out there. I'm doing the North versus Motor City Machine Guns. I am doing, um, you know, making sure Deanna's in a match by herself. But they just kind of stuck with their show. I know, I believe they had taped it previously, so they probably couldn't adjust. So I give them the benefit of the doubt. It was just like, I never saw, I never, I didn't hear anyone's like, man, this was some good wrestling. I'm going to stick around even after Kenny Omega. It's like, they popped the number because of Kenny Omega. They may pop another number next week, but it was just, yeah. So then they cut the promo, and I thought it was amazing. I think Don Callis is on the same level as Paul Heyman uh, as far as cutting promos, making his line look as good as possible. And he cut it. He broke it down. It was very clear that this wasn't something that just happened spur of a moment. This was all a plan, and they played everyone. Uh, very The highlight of the show to me, highlight of the show, was there was two, but the number one was the AEW paid advertisement in the middle with with Tony Khan and his uh, dorky, uh, dorky, nerdy, uh, you know, he just has that nerdy, uh, I can't think of the word, but it's just coming off of, it resonates off of him. And Tony Schiavone just being the pro that he is and Khan's cutting, you know, uh, Khan's like taking shots. He's like, I heard there was a rumor I was going to even buy Impact. And then Tony Schiavone's like, yeah, he's like, you worked at Impact. He's like, one night and then I quit the business for 18 years. I thought that was funny. (laughs) I thought that was funny. I mean, Tony Schiavone is just rare form. I thought that was great. And the second one is when Rich Swan was going in the building and the security guard said, it's for the champ. And he's like, I am the champ. He's like, no, it's for the real champ, Kenny Omega. (laughs) This. This. Oh God! I will say that security guard was not intimidating at all. <laughs> yes, but but he intimidated. He kind of took his soul with those words, though. He said it for the real chance. Like, <laughs> he didn't look big or anything, or like foreboding but man he just shrunk rich swan down his side yeah, it's for the real champ kenny omega i was like i as rich as I'm rich sorry, impact fans 
Is that our guy Rich Lado said I howled. I just thought that was so funny. It was like, dude, I was like, this, you don't matter. That's what he just basically said. And he said, Oh, and then Kenny Omega's like, I'm the belt collector. Y'all have a belt here. Maybe I'll collect that. Like it was nothing. I'm just gonna I don't who's the champ? I don't care. You know, he's gonna take the belt. I enjoyed every part of this, and yeah, um, so we'll then we'll get to what we're talking dynamite. But I thought the actual segment was a a. It was exactly kind of what I expected. You know, I didn't think he was gonna wrestle or anything. It was what I expected, and I've heard people say it was a waste of time. I'm just like, what did you expect? Like, really? I'm like, I'm like, really? What did you expect? You think they were gonna give you the whole kitten caboodle on the first show? You think they were just gonna be like? Yeah, here's everything. Here's the whole storyline. This is how the next three months are going to work out. No, they just gave you a little morsel, a reason to tune in to Dynamite this week and tune in to Access again next week. So I, I just thought the whole thing was dope. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree with that. Now we can get into AEW Dynamite for this week, and there's a lot to talk with. So first off, we'll start off with the opening match, which was the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, taking on the Hybrid 2, Angelico and Jack Evans. The TH2 then attacked the Bucks before the bell rang to get the match started off. And it's just every time the Young Bucks wrestle, no matter who they wrestle, it's always just must-watch just because I never can truly expect what they're going to do. They did really, really well. There was a lot of false finishes for a matchup that I think a lot of people thought would last like maybe 10 minutes. But they gave Angelico and Jack Evans a ton of spots and a ton of false finishes. I know a lot of people say they do that a little too much, but on, I like how they're still making it seem like TH2 are a threat because they should be viewed as a threat. They're, I mean, they you got them from AAA. They were big in AAA. You should make them feel big here too. Um, but... Very good opening matchup, and eventually after the match was over, uh, the Acclaimed, who were backstage, were not backstage, they were ringside, and there was a point during the match where the Bucks threw one of the members of TH2 into the Acclaimed. The Acclaimed then jumped the guardrail and tried to attack the Bucks, but Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, SCU, come out, and they block him out and kind of just like break it up from anything going on down. Uh, we're going to be building towards when we get to see the Acclaimed versus the Young Bucks, and should be interesting to see how they really showcase the acclaim leading up to that matchup. But I don't have much else to add to this match. It's a Young Bucks match. It's always quality. Uh, uh, Floyd, your thoughts? Dynamite first match, first match tag match. It's what I've been. If anyone listens to the show, you know how I feel about it. There's a standard for it. This match hit the standard. It showed how good I've been yelling at it, how good TH2 has been for as long as I can remember. And it was just like they stood up and they went toe to toe with the Young Bucks. It was great. See, the Young Bucks, see, this is how I see the Young Bucks. They're not booked as dominant champions. You know, they're not booked as the team that's just going to come out there, super kick you, hit their finisher and go. They're two kind of smaller guys. They're a team that's going to outlast you. They're going to make you wrestle their pace and the super kick you, super kick you, super kick you, and then finally hit their finisher and pin you. So, of course, to me, it makes sense that they have a lot of false finishes and one, two, you know, one, two, threes. They're not the road warriors, you know, they're the rockers, you know, they're the Hardy boys. They're not a team that's just going to just completely destroy another team, but they will win 
Like, this was an emphatic, definite win. It wasn't like they just kind of rolled them up. No, they hit their finisher, the BTE trigger, and pinned them. It was just, of course, TH2 is going to get offense in. And if you notice on this show, other than a few times, they don't really do, like, dominant victories or, like, squash matches on Dynamite. They really do save those for Dark. So, I don't know. Perfect match. You could... Give me TH2 and the Young Bucks every week on Dynamite. I would never get tired of it. The Young Bucks could win every week, and I'd still be like holding on to my seat thinking that this is the time TH2 is going to win. So I'm hoping they get more TV time. Love Jack Evans. Love Helico. The Hybrid 2. Love them. So there you go. And, of course, next. they're the Young Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. And next up we had Cody, who entered the ring with Arn Anderson and TNT champion Darby Allen was up in the stands. He had a little vignette earlier in the night as well. And Tony Schiavone was to go interview Cody Rhodes. But then Sting comes out. And we were told he would be up very soon. But I don't think people thought it would show up this quickly. And I certainly didn't think that he'd show up this quickly either. Um, snow starts falling. I love his theme so much. And Sting uh, comes out. And Arn Anderson really quickly... Um, comes out, Sting tries to give him a hug and uh, thanks him. Uh, well, he comes up to Arn Anderson and then Arn Anderson kind of just leaves. Tony Schiavone and Sting hug and then has Sting, has Tony Schiavone yell at Sting one more time. And fans start chanting, this is awesome. Cody then welcomes him back to TNT, said he's been waiting a very long time to share a ring with him. And Honestly, we didn't hear too much of what we were expecting from Sting. We're still kind of ex- not sure exactly what we're going to get. However, there was a lot of hints as Cody was told by Sting, he's not here for you, at least not yet. But he did say there was something very familiar about this place as he just points right at Darby Allen up in the stands. He then says he's in the jungle, he's on TNT, and everything's come for full circle. And he wants to be here for a long time. He plans on being here for a long time. And uh, the way he chooses to go about uh, being in AEW is his business. And then just says, see you around, kid. So it's hype as fuck to see him again and just like see him share a ring with Cody and gesture over to Darby once again. And there's still a lot of teasing on the fact we still don't necessarily know what we're going to get from Sting. So they're playing it very, very like, Cards close to their chest. They're not giving away what they're doing just yet. But I mean, if if I I'd be lying if it wasn't unbelievably exciting just to see what the hell they're gonna do with Sting. And we're just still at the point where it's a guessing game at this point. But I'm sure Darby Allen will be one of the first people that Sting keeps an eye on or gets involved with in some sort of way. But Floyd, your thoughts on Sting and Cody? Cody is their Cody is their number one face. He's the attraction. Him and Sting one day, they're going to do their thing. So, you know, uh, they're going to do their thing. I I, t- I told Tiffany when I was talking to her, I was like, probably double or nothing. That's what I think. Uh, that'll be a nice long way. And I love how they did it. So when Cody does drop Sting on his head, he's like, yeah, he basically ignored his existence and then called him kid. Uh, yeah. Cody calls himself the ace. You don't do that to the ace. So, yeah, eventually Cody's going to drop Sting on his head and everybody's going to be like, I can't believe Cody knew it, did it? And I'm like, no, they they said it. They let you know. 
Sting, Sting, all Sting remembers is that little kid in the locker room that used to ask for his autograph when he worked with Dusty. He doesn't, he doesn't know who the American Nightmare is. Cody will show him one day, but it, this now's not the time. Sting's here for Darby. And Sting's here, and he's like, it's a, it was pretty much a Sting wrestler promo. Sting wrestler did not cut a lot of long promos. It was just like, you know, he's kind of Batman in a way. Is I'm not, I'm holding my shit close to the vest. I'll let you know what I want when it's time. He, you know, he's here for Darby, but is he here to help Darby? Is he here to fight Darby? What is he here for? And he left that changing, and that makes people that might not watch every week. You know, hey, now I got to tune in the next time Sting is in so I can see what he wants. And I just love this whole segment. Absolutely. But, yeah, he he completely he completely shitted on Cody, if you, yeah, <laughs> without ever saying a word. Literally, but, yeah, literally like, did. There's no question about it. It was like a kid, and he called him kid, and how he said kid was very dismissive. But, yeah, that's what he I thought about the segment. Dismissive. We then had uh, your boys, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood, getting themselves back on track after losing the AEW World Tag Team titles. They very much needed an opponent to make a statement on and regain some momentum and just kind of have a bounce-back win. And that was what Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, the Varsity Blondes, were. FTR did some great tag team work, and they were... I mean, JR said it himself... Um, there was just a ton of great spots. I mean, I will say though, uh, Griff Garrison did very, very well, and uh, Jim Ross also talked about how he felt that Griff Garrison is a prodigy, which was damn good endorsement, if I do say so myself. Um, eventually, Brian Pillman would try for a springboard. Dax gets out of the way and hits the brainbuster, and then Cash gets in. Good night, Express on Pillman, and that would do it for Varsity Blondes. They would then get into a scuffle with Jurassic Express as uh, Marco was very much going scrappy doo and just trying to bark up the wrong tree. But I love Marco very, very much. And uh, he just he wanted the smoke so bad. But FTR getting themselves back on track, getting involved with Jurassic Express. I think that's a completely good move to have a really strong babyface team against very good heels in FTR. I think that's a matchup that can work really well. Um, Floyd, your boy's gotten getting back on the right path. Um, your thoughts on this match and the interaction with Jurassic Express? Well, it was a great move, move to get back. I I hate when you have dominating book tag teams, big men, whatever. They lose and then they kind of go away, and it's just like you do need that match to establish them again as a dominant tag team. And I think this will match what it uh, did, what it was. I could go on all day about how good FTR is, but that will get a boring eventually to the people that listen to the show. I want to highlight Griff Garrison because his hot tag was an amazing, amazing, and I thought he played his role in this match perfectly perfect and he don't shine on this match it, it would be like they got the um uh, got the instructions from the back hey griff garrison needs to get over because he really did get over in this match brian pillman's brian pillman he's just kind of you know he's just him i mean he's never i like brian pillman's personality but he's never in the ring really done anything that make me just like go wow he's just as 
he, as um, my friend James says, he's mid, and that's okay. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, he was. He doesn't did it. It was like Griff Garrison was clearly the star. This is how the match was booked. FTR did their thing, and in they're now building to a different feud with honestly the perfect tag team to work with FTR. That's not uh, n- not the Young Bucks, which is Jurassic uh, Jurassic Express. The reason that they're the best team to work with them is because they have Jungle Boy, and he is like a selling magnet. You know, he he could take the beating, and FTR can build the heat, and then you get the hot tag with. Uh, Luchasaurus at that point you know Luchasaurus either you know helps them win or FTR you know does something dastardly and pins it it's it could go either way in the feud so I'm really excited for these matches because there's certain people that just don't work well with FTR this is not one of those teams I could just name a couple of the teams but this team is built on selling and that hot tag to Luchasaurus so that being said, it'll it'll definitely work into FDR style. Yeah, totally. I think that's just a really strong matchup. And, I mean, it's pure babyface heel, and I think it's going to work really, really well. We then had a small interview with Hangman Adam Page, and uh, it was with John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, and he was like, let's be tag team partners. And then uh, Hangman's like, We'll be tag team partners against Private Party and Matt Hardy next week. It's one and done. I'm not joining Dark Order. We're, we're doing this once. And the John Silvers and Alex Reynolds was getting like, of course, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like very much getting hype about that. So that'll be cool for next week. We then had the natural Dustin Rhodes versus Dark Order's 10. Dustin still really, really good. I mean, just truly a legend. Uh, not a ton to say about this match. Ten got beat pretty bad, and uh, Eva Luno then came out and uh, was making a plea to Dustin about uh, how his name comes with pressure, and you're only the third most important Rhodes on this show, but we can help you, and offers him to be seven of the Dark Order. Dustin kind of just hesitates, lifts his hands, and then slaps Eva Uno just right across the face. Evil Luna then gets up and then says, when you fight, when you understand what I understand, you'll come begging for it. Which is just a really good line. And it just has a nice little, like, just keep an eye out and um, something more is going to be coming of this, I'm pretty sure. Match was a match, honestly. It's really all it needed to be. It was here for that one moment with Evil Uno and Dustin. And it's interesting. I mean, like, every time Dark Order tries to go after somebody... Um, that has actual stature in AEW uh, that's already been established. It's always interesting to see like who decides to go and who decides to stand their ground and not go. But anything you want to say on this moment in this uh, segment, Floyd? The match was the match, but the whole seven uh, number that they offered him, man, uh, that just kind of popped me because he only worked seven as seven with WCW it was a horrible gimmick for like a few weeks in like years ago. And it was like super insider baseball, but everybody that got it like popped crazy. And that's cool. I love the moment when, you know, hangman's looking for a tag partner and they's like, who else are you going to pick? And I just thought that was great. And then Dustin, that just, was really good. Yeah. yeah that kind of just, that made me laugh. And Dustin slapping the crap out of evil. Uno. It was just like, 
it was great. And, you know, all of this was good. The match was good. The match was a really good, it was a, re- a good professional wrestling match. But it was just like, it brought no excitement. But I love how there was the interaction between 10 and I forgot who it was on the outside. But they had that little interaction and it's building to a match next week. And it's just like, oh, if he hadn't gotten my way, I would have beat Dustin. And it was like, okay, cool, cool. Everything matters. Even this little throwaway match set up a match with 10 and I good lord I don't know who oh 10 and uh Aaron Solo 10 and Aaron Solo and then um it set up that match on dark and then it also set up uh, this whole hey they're trying to recruit Dustin and Hangman at the same time so that's cool does Dustin and Hangman start tagging together I don't know I just it just seems like those are two big pieces that you're trying to get right now yeah, absolutely. Then we had Shaq, uh, who got interviewed by Tony Schiavone, and also on hand was the chief brand officer, Brandy Rhodes. And uh, Brandy had her arm in a sling after Jade Cardell took a chair and trapped her arm in it and stomped on it. And um, Shaq talks about how he was watching Jade and her interaction with Cody, and obviously. He loves her and cares about her and wants her to do big things, but she didn't like. Uh, he didn't like or appreciated what uh, Jade did to Brandy's arm, and Brandy stands her ground like I didn't deserve that. She came into my house and pretty much just has a nice little interaction and says he respects uh, the roads and respects Cody. Um, he uh, then makes a comment saying, uh, "Hey, while your arms in a sling, uh, take a look at Jade. Maybe you'll get some pointers." And she, Brandy just gets like, you fucking kidding me? Then just grabs a drink, calls him an overhole, overgrown asshole, and throws a drink right into Shaq's face. And my God, this man is just a living meme. His face after that happened, as they just cut to it, and he's just staring deadpan at heart at the cam. He, oh my God, you're just like, you're, he's so fucking i don't know if it's unintentional or not he's just so funny and it was just ridiculous i just wanted inside the nba to be on so i could see chuck just like rip uh shack apart just being like you got watered on or something but it was just it was interesting i mean like i i'm i'm hoping to see more of jade and obviously she had a couple things happen tonight on this episode that we'll talk about later and I'm excited to see what she does. Shaq, I don't know what to say. I mean, like, it's Shaq. I mean, it was a cool little segment, and I think they treated it with a good amount of uh, severity and whatnot. But and, and, and the segment segment was over a million as far as views. Uh, it was, was, yeah. So it's just like it did what it was supposed to do. And Shaq played it really cool. And, you know, and it was kind of funny. Brandy's, oh, you know, he names all the stuff. He says, the you know, Names everything before Shaq, and Randy's like, oh, you gave him all those flowers? What about my flowers? And all I get is Chief Brand Officer, and I'm like, okay, he's Shaq. So it was funny because in that moment, Brandy was trying to put herself on Shaq's level, and it was hilarious because, you know, he's Shaq. He's Shaq. I mean, it's Shaq. It's the name. It's one of the names. It's like on those uh test you know q rating i'm pretty sure he's like 95 or 96 percent i think there's very few people that have not heard of the name Shaq. so it's just like and then it's brandy rhodes who would significantly less people 
you know, know who she is. So it was just kind of that moment. And then she did the throw water thing on it. And this is something you will learn. If Brandy throws water on you and you're a dude, you will eventually wrestle Cody. That's just how it works. <laughs> I was at so I was at uh, where Cody was still playing Stardust. I went to a con in Dallas, and they had already wrestled. But I uh, went to meet Stephen Amell, and he he signed uh, a, my a picture of him and Cody on it. And then uh, at the, at a little press, now I wouldn't call it a press conference. They do the TV show cons or whatever, like. I forgot what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all there. Q&A. And then Brandy threw water on Stephen and Mel. Uh, it was Stephen, Stephen and Mel. And it's like, yeah, they had to wrestle. That's just how it works. And uh, it's just so now, you know, Shaq's going to be involved. I Like I said, I just hope he takes it seriously, gets in shape. I mean, he's big. I do too. I, he's big. So it's going to be kind of like... You don't need to know how to do stuff. I'm like, punch, clothesline, slam. You know, you don't need to be flipping and all that stuff. You're Shaq. You're huge. The, you know, the size advantage is going to be thing, and he's going to have to know how to sell. But, you know what I mean? I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, he. I guess he's based in Atlanta because of the TNT stuff. So he'll have plenty of time to work at the Nightmare Family. They'll probably do that match over and over again. I doubt it lasts more than... 10, 15 minutes when it happens, so I don't know. The Jade thing... I don't think the firm, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think a match like that needs to go long, but again, like, <laughs> if you get, if Shaq is able to sell, and I like, I feel like, if taken seriously, he can sell, and like, I feel like, yeah, you really, like, like, just like, like, you don't need any more, like, moves in your moveset than, like, say, like, what the great Cali had. Like, you work like that, you're about as big as he is, like, just... <laughs> Work like that, and then Cody can do something with it, and then it'll turn out, and it'll be it'll be what it needs to be, and it'll be solid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, and then the whole Jay thing—that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in seeing her Same. wrestle work. I'm more excited about Jade coming out of this group because if I mean she's a she's a fucking athlete. I mean, if you look at her Instagrams, she has muscles everywhere. She's six foot tall. I'm just like, if she is like 60% as good as she looks at wrestling, she's going to be a star, you know? And they put her in front and she didn't do bad on the promo. And you think about that. If you think about where her level is and her only getting better, <clears throat> you know, I'm looking forward to what she can bring to the women's division. Cause you know, it definitely needs help. Absolutely. Next was the inner circle ultimatum. Now, obviously Things didn't go well in this ultimatum. Jericho threatened that the entire inner circle would break up. It would be no more. And MJF immediately steps up and talks first. Says how much he loves these guys. Think of you guys as brothers. And uh, people think I want to break up this group or that I want to take over. But, like, no. I chose to join this group because I want to be part of the greatest faction in professional wrestling. And... Starts to talk about Sammy. Sammy then immediately just goes after him. They start yelling, then going back and forth. Ortiz makes a comment. Um, oh, yeah, they also mentioned how uh, Santana wasn't there just because he couldn't stand to see this. And Ortiz says, um, MJF and Wardlow are assets, but human beings, it's debatable as whether or not they're any good. 
And uh, Ortiz then tells Sammy, shake MJF's hand if we're going to get past this. And uh, said, be the better man. You're better than him. And you know it. So shake his hand. And they do. But he does say, if one more thing happens, he's quitting the inner circle. And uh, Sammy then shakes his hand. And then uh, Wardlow and Jake Hager's just go at a, why is this guy staring at me? You've been staring at me. No, you've been staring at me. And they go back and back and back. And eventually they, it's like, Jericho's just like, we agree. No more staring. I'll just leave it alone. And they're just like back to back, like kind of like not looking at each other, but kind of mean mugging. It was very funny. Uh, Jericho was like, hey, we're on the same page. Like inner circle for life. It's time to look forward to the future. Woo. And I'm just sitting here being like, oh, God, Sammy, like break free and then just be your own guy. Like, Come on, man. Like, do it. Do it. I want to see Sammy just go and fucking fly, like, higher up the card and, like, really make make a name for himself. Because I think Sammy's got a lot that he can offer, and I really enjoy watching his stuff. I think he's super dope. I want to see him get a ton of uh, just momentum from the inner circle eventually breaking up, which I feel like if it doesn't break up, he'll leave, which I think is the best option. And then if, if we can get a Sammy Jericho match, ah, oh, yeah, I'm fantasy booking right now, but that's what I want to happen. But Floyd, as I calm down a little bit from this, your thoughts on this segment itself and uh, where you think it's going to go from this segments fun. Jericho knows how to control these segments where they don't get boring and it didn't get boring. And Sammy, Sammy, I uh, love, I love, I always love this in like movies where the guy knows he's right, but everybody else is telling him he's wrong. And he'll have that moment when MJF screws him over where he can say like, I told you so or whatever, or he breaks away from the group. I don't know where they're going to go with this. I trust enough to wait. But the whole MJF and Jake Hager thing, I just wanted that moment where they kind of pointed each other, you know, like the Spider-Man meme. Where yeah, like Spider-Man yeah, pointing meme. Yeah, like, yeah, you're the same guy. So I just think it's cool. I want to see what goes on front. They set up something really awesome for next week. So uh, we will see. <laughs> match between the Murderhawk Lance Murderhawk Monster Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts, Lucha Bros, Ray Phoenix and Penta El Zero Miedo versus Eddie Kingston and the Butcher and the Blade with the Bunny. Um, see, watching this match, I just had like kind of a question in my head because I didn't like as I've been watching AEW because most people who listen to this podcast probably do, and like Floyd does himself as well, and a lot of fans watch every single week and. This is something that's been like just confusing to me because normally when you see a wrestler turn from heel to babyface or babyface to heel, there's kind of like a slow progression or sometimes just babyface to heel. It's just a shock change, which you can do that. But I feel like from heel to babyface, just a sharp like you're babyface now. And like unless there's like a big moment that like causes the change, um, then it other than that, it doesn't make any sense. Lance Archer's like, I mean, he's a babyface. I mean, that's where I'm getting it from, at least. And I don't really know where the change happened. I must either I missed something or whatnot. And that was all I could think about during this match, which was good. I enjoyed it. I love everybody in the ring. I think everybody does really well. And I just really, honestly, seeing Lucha Bros, I just, I was like, I want pack. Give me pack. Like, I want to see more pack. But it was a good match. But I just kept thinking, like, 
when like when was the when was the turn like yeah. why like and Got I also it. was like I'm, I'm I think Lance can be good as a babyface. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like it just felt like it came out of nowhere to me. Okay, so let me let me help you out. Okay, Lance. Did it happen is, on Dark? Because I might have no. Missed it off Lance is neither heel nor babyface. What is his three word quote that is assigned with him? Everybody dies. Exactly. He's not, he's the same guy. He still beats up people for no reason. He's like he'll he beat up Fuego on Brandy's show just because he was there. Um, Lance Archer is insane. That's his gimmick. He doesn't anybody that gets in his way, he hates. Right now, that happens to be Eddie Kingston. He would have beat up his own tag team partners if they got in his way of getting to Eddie Kingston. That's just how Lance Archer works. He's not a face at all. Right now, everybody's cheering him. But when he decides he wants, you know, a title or something, he doesn't care if it's Cody. He doesn't care if it's Jericho. He doesn't care who's in there. Everybody dies. That's just how it rolls. I, I think because of that, he's the most unique character in AEW. All right. I just wanted to kind of yeah, get like, that like yeah. solved yeah. because I didn't know exactly if like yeah. there was a consensus because I know like, yeah. it's been something that's been on my mind. Oh, yeah, he can fight Mox one week and be a super heel, and then he can fight Eddie Kingston the next week and be a babyface. It doesn't matter because he works the same style. He's just as angry as he always is. It's just like, oh, okay, so you're on my team, so you're the two people I'm not beating up tonight, but everybody else can get it. You know, that's just how that's how that's how he works. He's like, I like the idea of just like having him be like this one entity that like nobody wants to fuck with. Yeah. Like on both sides, which I think is good because it it, it's a completely different factor. And it's something like different in terms of a character where it's just like he doesn't give a damn. Anybody could get it. Like it's not like you you get on the wrong side of him. I, I I just imagine like segments where like say like somebody from the heel side is like really mad or something and then like kicks open a door or something and happens to be Lance Archer's locker room and he's just like oh no 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 I didn't mean this to happen and then Lance Archer just decides okay okay you're dying today and yeah. then just that's immediately, like they, there's a feud out of that or something. The only person that doesn't get beat up by our uh, by Archer is Jake. That's it. Everybody else That's can it. get beat down. And I love it. I, I love the gimmick because he's kind of gotten over as a face without doing anything really face. Which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's kind of a weird parallel. That's why like, I was just so confused because I was like, fans are cheering him like he's a baby face. But like, nothing seems to have changed with this character, which is, I mean, nothing has changed. He just wants to kill everybody. Yeah, he's a badass. He is a badass, uh, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed this match. It was hard hitting, a lot of flipping and flying around. I don't have a lot of complaints about AEW at all. I've never been a person that complains, proclivity for positivity and all that shit. But how Ray Phoenix and Pentagon get booked hurts my soul. I was going to say, the one thing else I was going to comment on this match was the fact that Blade got the pin on Ray Phoenix. And I was like, what, huh? Yeah, they, how they're booked hurts my soul. I just, I just like when I immediately when they talked about AEW in the beginning, I was like, okay, the breakout stars of AEW are going to be Pentagon and Ray Phoenix because I would say most of the America 
hasn't seen these people wrestle. They're masked, and what Ray Ray Phoenix can do in the ring is, you know, second to none. I, I, you know, if somebody says he's the best wrestler in the world, or someone says Kenny Omega's the best wrestler in the world, I, I think you have an argument for both. They're really, really, really good at this thing we call wrestling. But Pentagon has the natural charisma. Oh, that can match anyone. I call him Mexican Stone Cold all the time. Just with, you know, two, three fingers up and three fingers down. He can control the crowd. And I just think that's amazing. And it's just, but looking at it, it's just like, they're kind of mid-card guys. It's like they beat the lower guys, but they lose to anybody in competition. I just want to see them kind of giving the respect that they, uh, kind of have built and deserved but maybe i overvalue what they are maybe i overvalue you know that they're gonna pop ratings or whatever like that i i I can't i can't question i can't question tony because they know what the hell they're doing so there you go i think we're having a little technical problems right now so hold on austin if you can hear me Austin, keep talking. Okay. Can okay. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. It hello, was. Hello, hello. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Start now. <laughs> From, yep, okay. We'll just cut out. Like you can just cut out the point, and then when you stop talking, like I'll come back in where I start. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. I just, now this is where we get. Oh. Yeah. Now go for it. Okay. Sorry. No, you'll go ahead. I can. Now this is where we get to the backstage moment with Brandy Rhodes getting attacked by Jade Cargill. And Nyla Rose was also taking part of this beatdown. Big Swole and Serena Deeb end up making the save. And it just seems like Jade Cardell is... And, like, Vicky shouting at the... Uh, yeah, it's... There's a lot of friends being made by Jade Cardell very quickly. Um, and there's going to be more with that, I'm sure, coming up. Uh, we then had the return in ring of Abaddon, which I don't know exactly the consensus on Abaddon. I think she, like, the whole, whole vibe that she's given me is just great. She had a match with Tesha Price, and she just comes out and... I don't know if it's you or me, Austin, but we are having a lot of technical dis- issues. <sighs> okay. Yeah, like this whole Abaddon. I, say, I think there's a. Yeah, that whole Abaddon section, it was gone. So we got to hold on. Not, nothing you said on Abaddon. So just uh, hold on. Start from there. Go for it. We then had Abaddon versus Tesha Price, which was very focused on Abaddon just returning back into the ring and getting, like, building towards her match against Hikaru Shida. I don't know what the consensus is, naturally, on uh, Abaddon, and I don't know exactly what everyone feels about her. I think her look is fucking sick. It's just pure horror that I love. And she got a quick win on Tesha Price. And then eventually... uh, Sheeta comes out and she walks to the ring and she's like kind of willing herself like you got this 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 she then comes into the ring and then just takes her kendo stick 
and just smacks Abaddon like just immediately with the kendo stick. And then Abaddon, almost Taker-esque, sits up, and then uh, Sheeta then runs and helps Tesha to the back, and then they just kind of look at Abaddon as like, oh my god, this person is insane. Um, not a ton with this match, but like, Floyd, any thoughts on the consensus on Abaddon? Because I haven't really seen a vibe of what people are thinking. It's pretty much right down the middle. If you like work rate and you like, you know, great red matches, you hate Abaddon. If you like the great character side of wrestling and like a good monster, like if you're you're down with the Fiend or with the Undertaker and all that stuff, then you love Abaddon. You know, that's kind of where it is. Uh, we've we've been very open that we think the women's division needs a shot in the arm. I think Abaddon brings eyes to the women's division. It, uh, Hikaru Shida is like this ultimate baby face. Uh, she's kind of scared of Abaddon and she's this monster heel and it gives her someone to work with. It's not, it's not going to be a five-star classic match, but you know, good, great wrestling, you know, you know, wrestling can tell great stories without the wrestling being what you would call great. So she's Kane and, uh, she just kind of scared of her and it's working. And I, you know, I know some people aren't going to like it and it's just like, you know what? You don't have to like everything. I, I like I'm in a lot of smarky uh, wrestling groups and they don't like it. I love it. I just think it tells a good story that just because you're the champion doesn't mean, so, you know, somebody that looks like Abaddon doesn't freak you out and make you, you know, back up a little bit. She still hit her with the kendo stick. But then Abaddon's like did her undertaker sit up or her, her monster sit up, which is awesome. And I just think it's great. It's just it's familiar to people that are new, you know, are new to AEW. They are used to seeing it with the Undertaker. They can automatically say that's the story that they're trying to tell. It's a simple story. I don't, yeah, I don't see why anybody would actually have a problem with this. Yeah, with Abaddon, I can see people on both sides like wanting a better work rate or character development and like how the divide with her seems to be very substantial but i don't know character seems like really fun to me i really like her look hopefully we'll be able to see her like in a more full match setting and then we can really see what she can do but besides that we can now get to what a lot of people were looking forward to as the main spot in this show the main segment which was our brand new aew world champion kenny omega arriving with Alice via helicopter and he just stops by in a helicopter Tony Schiavone was waiting in the ring to interview Kenny Omega and uh, Tony Schiavone was like what happened to the gentleman's agreement and Don Callis continues to just pick up where he left off almost from impact and was just continuing to be like hey welcome to the wrestling business kid and was just talking about how much history him and Kenny Omega made. Kenny Omega said, you didn't see me crawling on my hands and knees asking Tony Khan to get my friends a job, which was a hell of a burn, if I do say so myself. And also, he did his little weird just getting started, which I think a lot of people noticed, but it might have slipped under people's minds, which was really good. And Kenny, after talking and rattling off a lot of his accomplishments and how good he's been, uh, he proceeds to 
show them the thing. Like they want to see the thing, which was also the thing they did on Impact. And goodbye, good night, bang, leaves the ring with Don Callis, and then was our main event. But on terms of this segment, which I know a lot of people were looking forward to, since Kenny Omega has just been running rough shot since he won the title, and everyone's just been glued to their television screens anytime he's on. So, which is amazing. Uh, Floyd, your thoughts on this segment? Okay, I I had some thoughts. Basically, uh, it was pretty much the same segment from Impact, and I heard a lot of people complain about that, but what they don't realize is there is this group of wrestling fans out there that only tune in to watch uh, AEW on Wednesday, and then they turn off the TV and then don't turn it back on until the next Wednesday. It's just a TV show. So... Uh, he pretty much had to say again what he said on Impact because he was reaching a completely new audience. Just to, just to say, about 130,000 people watched Impact on Tuesday night, and uh, this AEW was almost at 995,000. So if they say, well, this happened on Impact and then continued from there, it would have made no sense. Uh, but I think Don Callis is perfect, and I think you're going to get, a, unfortunately, get a bit of this going forward because they're going to do stuff for Impact on Tuesday nights, and they're going to have to redo a little bit of it or at least explain what happened on Wednesday night if AEW just doesn't show a video package from Impact because, you know, it's two different audiences. But I thought it was perfect. I thought it set the table for going forward. Uh I'm waiting. I I thought we were going to get like who was going to be the first challenger uh, going forward. You know, like his first, you know, major few going forward. We ended up getting that later, but we didn't get it on Wednesday. So I didn't really have any problem with it. I thought the show overall was amazing. And I thought this was the great end point to the show. Yeah, honestly, and I get that. Uh, like we're wrestling fans, obviously we know what happened on Impact because we wanted to see what happened on Impact. But there are strictly some people who are just AEW fans. So, like I said, like Floyd said, if they're not going to show any video of what happened, then they kind of have to hit the points again for the AEW audience. But now, the main event, the Dynamite, the Dynamite Diamond Final for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. MJF versus freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. And early in the night, Chris Jericho talked about how the inner circle would be ringside to observe MJF just in case he needed a hand. And there was a lot of involvement uh, during this match. Like, inner circle was just completely destroying Orange Cassidy at one point when MJF was distracting the referee. And Sammy proceeded to just throw Orange into the ring post. And then that's when the Varsity Bronze Brandon Cutler, top flight, came out with best friends to even up the odds. So basically, it almost turned into a lumberjack match out of nowhere, which was actually interesting how that kind of formed. Um, But eventually, when Orange Cassidy was about to get back into the match, Miro shows up and proceeds to deck Orange Cassidy. Referee's not seeing it. And then he proceeds to have MJF just put his arm over Orange Cassidy retain the dynamite diamond ring and Miro just started getting into a fight with best friends and there was a brawl between them before security broke him up and MJF's just like I beat him clean I beat him clean 
And Miro, I like it was a great way to continue the feud with Orange Cassidy and best friends between Miro with Kip Sabian. And it was a nice way to have MJF retain the ring, which honestly, I just feel like that's always going to be with him because it just, who else is going to wear that like in terms of a baby face? It just seems tailor-made for him at this point. But match itself was really strong. A ton of outside interference. It was very much like just, there was some really good spots in the match overall, but this match was filled with a lot of story elements, a lot of inner circle involvement, a lot of outside interference. So in terms of work rate, probably wasn't what wrestling fans would want as your main event for, I guess, a title, which I would call the Dynamite Diamond Ring a title at this point. And I get that, but I mean, there's a lot of story going around this match, which made it okay to me. And also, just if you can continue to make Miro look like a monster, then the hype of having Miro actually like really get into singles competition and starting to run rough shot on people, I think, is going to make it even better. So I think him going after Orange Cassidy is a strong go. But Floyd, you want to top yeah. off your, we, your, we, your with, thoughts on the main event? With the inner circle on the outside and then the other teams that showed up, and then you had Kip, uh, Kip and Miro come out, there were 14 people on the outside of this ring during this match. Like I said, it literally turned into a lumberjack match. It, is, it was just crazy. It was just all the extracurricular involvement. It, it was MJF. This was the way MJF wanted. This is why he brought the inner circle. He doesn't have to win on his own anymore. He has the, the might of the inner circle behind him and a newly united inner circle, uh, you know, uh, ended up fighting with another group of people and they kind of balanced each other out and that left the door open for Miro to get what I would say his ultimate revenge cost an Orange Cassidy the uh, Dynamite Diamond Ring so I'm, I'm thinking we get Miro and Orange Cassidy sometime soon and um, MJF becomes the back-to-back -back winner now small different you know small thing I would like the Dynamite diamond ring to be like if anybody's familiar with new japan like the super j cup where yeah like a toy literally like a tournament prize yeah so once you win i want you to be able to turn that into a title shot whether it be at the tnt title shot or the world title shot you i mean like right now they have the new year's uh the New Year's uh, showdown coming up. Uh, I forgot. A New Year's smash. Night one and night two. Maybe get a title shot in night one or night two of the TNT or something. I just, I want the ring to mean more than it does. I know I've actually talked to a group and no one seemed to have any problem with it. I was just like, for me, it was just like, you, you got to get to the end of a battle royal, then beat a guy in a singles match. It feels like you should get something more than the ring. I know for MJF, it's his weapon. It's his prop that he gets for the next year. But somebody else is going to have to win it eventually, and we got to make it mean something else other than this. I personally, even though he is not my favorite wrestler, I kind of wanted to see Orange Cassidy get like a fluke win here. And, you know, because it would have the com comedy that would have come from him getting a ring that he doesn't care about. Very true, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, you like, like it's it, like for MJF, the ring is his precious. For Orange Cassidy, he's like, what, he he would like hold the ring out to Trent and Chucky e. T. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? And, you know, I mean, he just 
he would just give it away because it, it would be pointless to him. So I love that. Uh, I would have loved that. But MJF, I mean, that's a b- great way for him to win something without winning anything. Because, you know, M- I mean, if you think about it, he's very protected. He's only lost. His only loss has been to John Moxley. That's it. So, yeah, he's a very protected wrestler. So you got to uh, you got to uh, you got to keep his stature up high, which they did done with the ring. All in all, the match was just a cluster and it was fun. And it, it's what it probably not what smart uh, the smart ring in ring work people wanted to see. But for the casual wrestling fan that just likes the chaos of professional wrestling, they probably ate it up. Yeah. But overall, that was AEW Dynamite for this week. There was a lot to take in. One of the main things was just the fact of how AEW in terms of viewership did. I mean, like Floyd said, 995,000 fans tuned into AEW. If you want to go down the Wednesday Night Wars route, NXT had about 659,000 compared to the 995,000 that AEW had. And in terms of other statistics in the ratings, AEW, number two of all on cable and number one in all of cable in males, 18 to 49, which did a 0.57 and a 0.45 in persons, 18 to 49. Yeah, a 0.57. That's their highest in the demo, like by a lot since they, yeah, it wasn't close. Literally, the only reason they didn't average a million is the old people turned the channel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, mean, uh, I, I mean, I've learned more about demos. Not that I care, or not that it should matter to any fan. You know, you just kind of watch a show. But I find out that when you look at the total number, the total number gets its its fluff. It gets its add-ons from the fifty-plus crowd because fifty-plus people watch TV more than everyone else. So when the the fifty-plus crowd tends to you know, uh, go towards NXT. But there you go. But overall, in terms of Dynamite, a lot of good things on this show, a lot of fun matches, and I think a lot of build towards next week's Dynamite. And I was thoroughly enjoying it. Obviously, they had a lot to live up on, considering they followed the craziness that was Winter's Coming. And I think they capped it off. There's still a lot that we don't know about, especially when it comes to Sting and of course, we still have a lot to see of what happens with Kenny Omega as AEW World Champion. We did get the announcement that he will be on Impact once again this upcoming Tuesday. So they're going to continue this uh, as we as things go on. Uh, we had FTR getting back on track. A lot of things that we saw on this week's Dynamite. I felt like it was a very strong show, probably around like B plus A minus range in my eyes. There's a couple things that I think dragged it maybe a little bit or like wasn't as high of quality, but. Still a very good, strong show, especially considering what it followed. And Floyd, anything else you want to add on this Dynamite before we get close to wrapping this up? In essence, this was the pay-per-view bump. You know what I mean? It was like, because Winter is Coming was a pay-per-view. And usually the show after a pay-per-view gets a bump, you know, based on it being the show after a pay-per-view. And that's basically what this show was. This was setting the table for what was going forward. I love that we didn't get a lot from Don Callis and Kenny Omega. Uh, You know, that way it leaves the doors open to go left, right, up, down, whatever way they want to go. You got to tune in next week to find out. But, yeah, I was over. I was overall. I was very happy with this episode. 
Yep, and now we can get into our preview for next week's Dynamite. But before we do that, I know Floyd has a bit of an announcement that he wants to make about all things Elite. So do you want to tell the folks right now? All right, so last year I was going to do this, but we didn't have a lot of year um, when it comes to AEW. Uh, They got announced in January, we got our first show in May, and then Dynamite didn't start to October. So I felt like doing... Uh, end of the year show would would have been a little weird because you didn't have a lot of show. Well, this year we got four pay-per-views, a year's worth of Dynamite, almost 52 episodes. So we are announcing our first annual ATE end of year awards. Uh, we are going to push this out as quickly as possible i've been uh literally uh, the my brain trust everybody that watches the show every week and stuff watches bte watches dark i sent out uh a google drive so i could get all the nominations uh we've uh decided on 10 uh 10 different uh categories uh just real quick because i can fly through them it's uh men's wrestler of the year women's wrestler of the year tag team Breakout, AEW Dark MVP, BTE MVP, Faction of the Year, Show of the Year, AEW Match of the Year, and AEW Moment of the Year. So what we're going to do is once I get the drive set up, this is my first time doing Google Forms, so bear with me, but I am going to (laughs) send it out. Uh, when you're filling it out, it's going to ask you your email, uh, ask you your name and email. You fill that out. You are automatically entered into a contest or entered into a drawing. And on January 9th, when we announce the winners, it'll be after that first Dynamite of the Year, we'll announce the winners. And of each one, hopefully we'll have a special guest on with us discussing who you picked as the winners. Then we're going to pick one lucky person and they will get a hundred dollar gift card to shop AEW.com. So make sure you look out for that. Uh, we will be sending them out and we want everybody to retweet it, share. Cause I, I seriously, I want a thousand, I want a thousand entries. That's my goal. My goal is get to a thousand people to enter, and if a th- if we get a thousand entries, I will give out two one hundred dollar gift cards. That's how much I want. That's the goal. Let's get a thousand people to fill it out and enter in, so we can get a good reading of who everyone thinks is the end of the year. I, me, and me and. Uh, Austin will not be filling them out. This will be what everybody else thinks, and we will give our individual thoughts as we're going through it. Yeah, I mean, it would be awesome to see what you guys think. We want to see what your opinions are. We want you to be able to share, and we also want to be able to give out these $100 gift cards, so that way you can get some sick swag from AEW. Yeah, yeah. Get some sick swag from shop.aew.com. I guess Austin cut out there again. So I'm going to talk through it because apparently if we don't figure this out, apparently if we don't talk through the network issues, we're not going to get a show out this week. But again, we're going to put out the form as soon as possible. Uh, we're giving a hundred dollar gift card, no matter what we're giving out one, no matter what, all you have to do is enter, put your name in, in your email, and then we'll give out two. If we reach a thousand entries, that is like the, you know, the goal is to get a thousand people to get in there. Are you with us, Austin? 
will be the All Things Elite end of the year award. So hopefully you'll take part in that. Now getting into the preview for next week's Dynamite. We're going to have Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela in a no disqualification match. Hangman, Silver, and Reynolds, which we saw from this week's Dynamite. They will be teaming to face Hardy Party, Matt Hardy and Private Party. Cody Rhodes will be competing in singles action versus Angelico. SCU will be taking on the acclaimed, continuing off of what happened on Dynamite this week. The 14-man tag match between Inner Circle versus Best Friends, Top Flight, Varsity Blondes, Brandon Cutler. That whole just craziness that happened in the main event this week where it turned into a Lumberjack match. That's getting a payoff. And then we're getting Serena Deeb and Big Swole teaming up to face Ivelisse and Diamante, which I'm genuinely like really excited because I think in terms of women's action, like you're seeing some of the best women that we have right now on AEW Dynamite. So... I'm excited for that, especially Cody and Helico was a match that I wasn't expecting to see. So that'll be it's very going intriguing. to it's going to lead to something. And that's what's making it more interesting. Most interesting. That's what I was gonna say. It's so <laughs> off the wall that it's got to be leading. to something. Yeah, it got to be leading to a tag match. You know, maybe uh, we get him uh, Cody tagging up with somebody versus TH2 or a match with Jack Evans. It just seems so out of nowhere. It has to be leading to something. I know Cody tried to explain it. It's like, it's wrestling. We put on a wrestling show. We're both wrestlers, so we're wrestling. And I'm like, ah, ain't nothing that simple in AEW. It's like, you know what, Cody? I, you know, you can, you're the one guy that can spoon feed me shit and call it uh, chocolate, and I'd be okay with it. But come on, brother. <laughs> There's no reason for you to do wrestle. Like every other match on this card is somewhat built up. Like there is a reason for them fighting. But I am very excited about Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. That's the most excited I'm about because it'll be Kenny Omega's uh, one night eliminator challenge. Uh, they set it up kind of TMZ style with paparazzi uh, hitting him up at the uh, airport. And he said he, uh, he was brave enough to, uh, Oh, brave enough. What was it to uh, vanity search himself? And he saw people talking about how he kind of eased into the main event because all the people he was supposed to wrestle got hurt. So, you know what? He's going to fight Joey Janela. He's going to give him an elimination match. Elimination. No DQ match. His type of match. And if Joey Janela beats him, he gets a title shot at Kenny Omega. I just think that's cool because if they're really going around the time of everybody getting a shot that's supposed to get a shot, I think we're getting to the point where we'll end up with Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix. And oh my God. I've seen that match in Mexico, and every time we've yeah. seen that match, it is amazing. So if we can get that on one of the AEW shows, that would be dope. That match, that's just, that matchup is just something like, like you said, in Mexico it was amazing. Like again, again, again. It's like you see it happen, you're like, I need to see that match like 18 more times. Like seriously. But we got a lot to look forward to Dynamite next week. But overall. That's going to do it for this week's episode of I, All Things Elite. I'm just going to do my quick shout outs. Happy birthday, December 11th uh, to Sonny Kiss and Rick Knox. December 12th to the Big Butch, the Butcher Andy Williams and Eddie Kingston. And today, since we're finishing recording today, December 13th, happy birthday to a shoddy Lee Johnson. Of the members of our nightmare family. So, yeah, all the birthdays for over this weekend. So, we don't usually, like I said, it doesn't happen a lot, but I do like to send out our birthday wishes when I know they happened. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Happy birthday to everyone listed. Now we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to All Things Elite. Again, make sure you're downloading the podcast on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify, you can share us around with your friends and share the podcast. We would really appreciate it. You can leave a rating, a review. You could also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle, if you're so inclined to. We'd be mega appreciative of that. Or if you want to just support us on social media, we are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex, they're the guys that make this possible. Be sure to give them a follow. At SZumer4 is myself. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, despite all the technical issues, I'm going to let Floyd finally take us home for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Floyd, take it away. It's 12 days to the holiday. Me and Austin celebrate Christmas. I know everybody listening here might not celebrate it. So happy Festivus, Hanukkah, and happy December to all of you for those that just don't celebrate. It's cool. This is just a time of year for love and giving. So I just want to tell you all from Austin, uh, from Austin and me, that we thank you for every moment every second that you've listened to us over the past however many episodes we've done together in the past year in general uh it it has especially this episode thank you for bearing with us through all the technical issues we will be better next time but at last we leave you with that famous line whether it is home work or school always do your best to be elite